Welcome to the Catholic Champion Podcast, episode number three. My name is Matthew Belisario, and I will be talking to you today about apostolic succession. Now, apostolic succession is something that is believed by both the Catholic and Orthodox churches. And in a nutshell, what it is, is the Catholic and Orthodox churches believe that authentic Christianity was passed on by Christ to the apostles, and in turn, the apostles passed that on to their successors, and their successors passed it on, so forth, guided by the Holy Spirit infallibly. Now, we believe this as Catholics to be united to the chair of Peter. We believe that the, the papacy is the center and unifying chair of, of all the bishops. The Orthodox believe that, the, that uh, the, the, the See of Peter is the first among equals, and that still, they still believe in apostolic succession. And in fact, all the ancient apostolic churches, all the Orthodox churches, the Eastern churches, the Catholic church, they all believe in apostolic succession. Today, I wanted to look at, first, just touch on scripture and tradition a little bit. Because I think that's something that's often overlooked today in sacred tradition. A simplistic way of explaining tradition in the past has been to say that it's kind of a three-legged stool. Scripture plus tradition plus the magisterium. And although that is a a basic way of looking at it and a basic way of kind of trying to understand it, it's, it's not really a complete understanding of it. Because it's really not scripture alongside tradition or tr- tradition alongside of scripture or tradition plus scripture as if they're two different two different sources or two different entities. Um, a good book to read is God's Word by Pope Benedict XVI. And we look at scripture as follow, falling inside of tradition in, 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 in some sorts. And even if you look at the Orthodox, they will often say scripture in tradition. In other words, tradition is divine revelation. It is the living word of God. We believe that that is infallible, and it's handed on from the apostles to the bishops infallibly. We both, as Orthodox and Catholics, can believe that and do believe that. Uh, as one uh, writer writes, uh, John Breck, he writes that you know the Bible is not self-interpreting. This is evident from the fact that so many conflicting understandings exist concerning the meaning of any given passage. He says, in fact, the biblical writings can only be properly interpreted in light of holy tradition. Tradition provides the original context of Scripture. Now, this is this is very important, and of course, we as Catholics agree. This is an Orthodox writer, but we as Catholics also agree with what he wrote here. But there's another thing that he really touches on that's very important. And Pope Benedict XVI also touches on this in his book. And he, he wants to really emphasize that sacred tradition is not just interpreting the scriptures. It's not just looking at church fathers' writings. But it's a living word. The living word being conveyed to us. And so, what, what uh, John Breck points out is that that we have a problem of removing the scriptures from their proper liturgical and ecclesial context. That's a big problem. We just take, the Protestants are great for doing this, and they take the sacred scriptures, and they read them for themselves, and they come up with all kinds of interpretations. 
whether or not they're Greek scholars, even the ones who are training Greek read the text and they still come up with different interpretations. So I hear a lot of uh, Protestant apologists hanging their hat on knowing Greek and it doesn't help them a lot because they still don't understand it within the context of the unity of the church and the unity of its divine worship. This is very important. It was important to St. Cyprian as we're going to see. But I wanted to point out something that Pope Benedict XVI wrote in his book, God's Word, on page 65. He talks about tradition in its nature as being having a nature of interpretation, but not just interpretation of, of the exegesis of Scripture. He says, quote, True, it too is not interpretation in the sense of mere exegetical interpretation but in the spiritual authority of the Lord that is implemented in the whole of the church's existence, in her faith, in her life, and her worship. Pope Benedict XVI sounds like he's falling right in line with John Breck, that we have to look at, look at tradition in light, tradition and scripture in light of all, in all, in all of this, in the light of how the church lives and breathes in her worship and in her unity. We know that just by the fact, you know, a lot of people say that it has to be Scripture alone. The Scripture alone is the only authority. But we know that just by the mere fact that you have people fighting over the canon, you had during the Council of Trent, the Protestant Reformers, the Catholic Church, fighting over the canon of Scripture. This tells us right away that it's not self-authenticating. Yaroslav Pelikan points this out in his book called Whose Bible Is It? And he makes a very good case uh, talking about the Bible only and how it's not practical. It just doesn't happen. It can't happen. Pope Benedict XVI points this out in his book God's Word. So I want to look at, now as, as we look at tradition being the actual vehicle delivering, if, if you want to look at it that way, the way I always look at it is tradition and sacred scripture being the same source in, in two different forms. You know, one written, one is not written, is, is an oral kerygma, if you will. And if we look at, look at it this way, you can kind of look at it as having a glass full of water with some ice cubes in it. I know it's kind of a, not a great analogy, but it's kind of a good way to think of the same substance being in the same place but yet being in kind of two different forms. Now, I want to look at St. Cyprian now. Because St. Cyprian, he's from the, the middle of the 3rd century. And he was caught up in the Novatian Schism. And he came to the aid of Pope Cornelius. But the way he did it was in something that's completely, in a form that's completely foreign to Protestantism. Now, Novatian, if you're not familiar with him, was a Roman theologian in the Latin Church, and he is considered to be one of the early anti-popes. He had himself consecrated the Bishop of Rome in, in 251, in opposition to the legitimate Pope Cornelius. Now, St. Cyprian wrote about, wrote about this particular problem. And I wanted to read to you from some of his writings here. Now the sources that I'm using are called On the Church, Select Treatises, St. Cyprian of Carthage. It's the popular patristics series. 
You can get it from St. Vladimir Seminary Press. They're the ones who, who publish this. On page 36, I wanted to, sh to quote this, showing what St. Cyprian thought of this schism and thought about the proper apostolic succession and proper ordination. He says the following quote, So if the church is with Novatian, she could not have been with Cornelius. But if, if on the other hand she was with Cornelius, who succeeded Bishop Fabian, you notice how he talks about succession there, as a result of quite a lawful ordination, Novatian cannot be in the church, neither can he be numbered amongst the bishops. This is the person who he has trampled upon the tradition, handed on by the Gospels and by the Apostles. He is not anyone's successor. He has produced himself by his own action. This is very important, very, very important to look at. This is an early church father from the mid-3rd centuries telling us that there has to be a valid secession of bishops. This is completely contrary to what Protestants tell us. They tell us that it's the Bible alone. It doesn't matter. There doesn't have to be apostolic secession. But St. Cyprian, right here in this particular schism that he is addressing, he is saying that there has to be. Otherwise, there's no way to know who, who is authentic and who is not. Look at his words carefully. He says there has to be a tradition handed on by the Gospels and the Apostles. It doesn't say anything about Scripture alone. He says that Novician is not anyone's successor. Well, if it's not important for there to have for there to be apostolic succession, why is Saint Cyprian here harping on the fact that Novician is not anyone's successor? He also says he has produced himself by his own action. Doesn't this sound familiar? All these Protestant apologists coming out, they are the same they're, they're basically the chip off the old block. They come out, they, they proclaim themselves as being an authority. They come out, they tell you that they know how to read Greek. They tell you that they're an expert on the sacred scriptures. Yet, what are they doing? They're doing the same thing that Novation did. They're setting themselves up in opposition to the true church, in opposition to true ordinations, in, op in opposition to the gospel that must be kept within the unity of the church. Now, I want to read another quote to you from page 37 of this same book. This is volume 1 of this set. He says, quote, in, in talking about Novation again, he could not be admitted into our communion by any one of us. Novation had attempted to had attempted the erection of an altar outside the true sanctuary and the establishment of a counterfeit chair in opposition to Cornelius, whose ordination as bishop in the Catholic Church followed God's judgment and his election by the clergy and people. He was thus trying to offer up, listen carefully, sacrilegious sacrifices in opposition to the priestly office of the true bishop. Now, if this doesn't sound like the divine liturgy, or as we call it, the mass in the West, what does? He talks about sacrilegious sacrifices, which means he's talking about the divine liturgy. He's talking about an altar set up outside the church. Well, if we don't need altars, what is St. Cyprian talking about? Because we don't see altars in most Protestant churches, do we? We don't see them celebrating the Divine Liturgy, do we? Which every single church, by the way, has. Every single apostolic church, all the way up until the Reformation, has a Divine Liturgy. 
whether it be St. Chrysostom, St. Gregory, that of the Latin Rite churches, the Coptic churches, they all have them. The only ones that don't have them are Protestants. They can't trace their religious worship back past the Reformation. This is a problem. Now I wanted to read one other writing here from St. Cyprian. And this is called On the Unity of the Church. And I really wanted to, to focus on one particular text here. Of course, a lot of you probably know what it is. It's where he writes talking about Matthew 16, 18, and 19. Now there are two texts that are taken from ancient manuscripts and the Catholics and the Orthodox both go back and forth as to which is the authentic one or whether or not they're both authentic and St. Cyprian changed his mind or wrote it different at a later time, etc., uh, etc. Et I'm not too concerned with that today. As I said, I'm not, I am not um, talking about the papacy today. I'm not arguing for the papacy. Of course, I'm Catholic. I believe in the papacy. But today I'm just talking about apostolic secession. And no matter which of these two texts you use, you come to the same, same conclusion about apostolic succession. The only thing you don't have that's conclusive, if you put one against the other, is the authority of the Bishop of Rome and his role as being the primary bishop. But what we do get in all of them is the unity of the bishops and the importance of apostolic succession. So I just wanted to read to you what is called the received text. It's on page 152 of this book. Referring to Matthew 16, 19, he says, And the same Jesus, after his resurrection, said to Peter, Feed my sheep. Upon him he builds his church, and to him he hands over in trust his sheep to be fed, and although he might assign to all the apostles equal power, he, however, established one chair and ordained by his authority that chair is the source of unity in its guiding principle. Very important here. Very important text to look at. He continues, The remaining apostles were of necessity that which Peter was. But the first place was granted Peter, and thus one church was exemplified by one chair. And all our shepherds, but one flock, is exemplified, which is nurtured by the apostles in unanimous agreement. Then he says, Can anyone believe that he himself sticks fast to the faith without sticking fast to the unity, this unity of Peter? Can someone be confident that he himself is in the church if he deserts the chair of Peter upon whom the church is, is founded? So Saint, if, we, if we use this text here, St. Cyprian is saying, Hey, we have the chair of Peter, Christ established it. Peter passed it on. He's talking about looking at the apostolic succession. He's talking about there being legitimate ordained bishops. And he says, if you don't hold to this legitimate chair, Peter, which has been passed on, and the bishops that are in, in unity with it, and the bishops that are in agreement, likewise, uh, in this text it says, likewise, uh, power is passed on to all the apostles. So he's saying basically all these apostles hold this type of authority and it's apostolic. So this is uh, very important to look at. And once again, I highly encourage you to read this two-volume set. It's, it's fairly inexpensive and it's published by St. Vladimir Seminary Press. We can come to the conclusion that St. Cyprian was not in any way, did not even look like a Protestant. 
He doesn't have any characteristics of a Protestant. Yes, he holds sacred scripture in high regard, but he doesn't hold scripture alone as the authority. He obviously looks to the chair of Peter. He looks to apostolic succession. And this is how he determines what authentic Christianity is. Now, if you have every Tom, Dick, and Harry out there grabbing the scriptures, opening their own church, going up on their pulpit, telling you what the sacred scriptures mean, telling you that it's the only authority, how are you supposed to know if what they're telling you is true? I am a, pro a, a convert from Protestantism. I also was I became Orthodox. I was Orthodox for a couple of years, and then I became Catholic. I can... I have a great sympathy for those who struggle between the Orthodox and Catholic churches because there are a lot of fuzzy questions, a lot of uh, different aspects of church history that can be kind of confusing. And even in the church, the, the church father's writings, if you just go by that alone, you, ha you, you can struggle between the two. But I don't have a lot of sympathy for Protestants who claim that they've gone through and they've read the church fathers and then say that they fall in line with what they think or what they believe and they don't fall in line with that of what the orthodox and catholic churches believe i have very little sympathy for them i don't see how you can twist around writings such as these such as saint cyprian and try to make them protestant or even anything remotely close to protestantism and you'll find that with all the church fathers St. Augustine, you'll find the same thing. He's one of the favorites that the Protestants love to butcher, love to take out of context, love to twist around. They do the same thing with the church fathers that they do with the sacred scriptures. They twist them around. So if it, one thing that I would like you to take away today is the way St. Cyprian looked at apostolic succession, the way that Pope Benedict XVI looks at scripture and tradition, and the way that scripture falls in with tradition. So I thank you very much for listening to this episode 3 of, of Catholic Champion Podcast. And I hope to have many more for you to come. I welcome all uh, criticisms and any, any, any suggestions that you have that you can present that you would like to hear a podcast on. Uh, you can go to, to my my blog site, Catholic Champion Blog. You can just type it in in uh, the Google search engine and it'll come right up, CatholicChampionBlogspot.com. You can go on there. And on any of the posts that you would like, you can leave a, a post there, and I will be glad to get back to you or to take your suggestions and, and have new podcasts come out on the subject that you would like for them to come out on. Thank you very much, and may God bless and keep you.